Episode 370, I'll have it in a second, 373, <laughs> I should really just keep track you know, of this you, somewhere. This you know, uh, just, just being prepared to do things is becoming better, it only took you 30 <laughs> seconds this time. Look. <laughs> <laughs> you want to tell them who uh, I am or you want to let them guess? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, I am your host, Dustin, and with me today is Larry. Howdy. And Ben. Numbers are tricky things, aren't they? Uh, yes, they yeah. are. One, yeah, once once you get into triple digits. Yeah. Well, uh, and, and it's Friday, and it's raining, and it's cold, and it's miserable. Oh, that's my problem, not yours. Uh, Aaron, and all, Aaron is also technically here, uh, but he's not recording. He's just listening in. Um so just i'm not sure how y'all i'm not sure how y'all envision us uh when we're uh, recording but just imagine that we're all sitting around a nice kitchen table in front of a roaring fire and we're all having a nice chat as aaron plays on his ps vita or whatever in the background (laughs) and there's a there, there's a large yeah i know you're playing red dead redemption 2 aaron but it doesn't work the metaphor doesn't work as well if you're playing a console instead of a mobile device uh <laughs> trying to create a word picture here well and you forgot the large cooler in the background full of adult beverages yeah yeah because sometimes we need them to get through the podcast uh god i should have cracked open a beer oh well. yeah you should have <laughs> too late now too late well no there's there's a pause button. Um. Uh, that makes things complicated, <laughs> though. Uh, yeah, anyway, on this podcast, we ostensibly review anime. Sometimes. Sometimes uh, you can we find, have a lot of fun. You can find show notes for it at www.projecthari.net or at audioentropy.com. And uh, we're going to f- finish up our uh, uh, current views here, starting with Katana... Ga- Katana... Katana... Cortana Gautry. <laughs> no, uh, Katana Gautry episodes 9 through 12. Uh, With, oh, yeah. boy. Mm. Uh, yeah. I mean, right, it was so, going so well, well up until, like, the last the last minute of episode 11. And then... Well, <laughs> I, know, I mentioned the guns, and I thought the guns had a meaning. Gee. I was right. Okay, well, sort of before we get to the thing that I've got a bigger and more sort of complicated, uh, not necessarily rant, but I guess uh, soliloquy about, um, we should talk about episode nine, because, oh, that made me angry for entirely different reasons than episode 12 did. Because, uh, like, 
for the other episodes, uh, we had we were all like pretty happy and fairly uh, impressed by how well they were portraying the re- relationship between Togame and Shichika. Uh, and episode nine, that kind of just goes all out the window for the most car- most part because they want to make extremely tired jokes about. Uh, Togame assuming the wrong things about finding Shichika in supposedly compromising situations with Kiguchi. Oh, and yeah. It just makes Togame... It's not funny. It just makes Togame look like an emotionally and physically abusive asshole. Well, it, it, it played the woman's jealousy card way too hard. Yeah, like it's, it's just trading on misogynistic tropes for attempted humor and at no point did it even it did it ever work for me no it was uh i i was at the end of that episode i'm like i hope they're not going to keep this bs up yeah which uh, thankfully luck- they don't but. <laughs> yeah luckily they resolved that they resolved that by the end of the episode uh, <sighs> thankfully well, that's that's the weird thing is that they don't really resolve it because Shichika and Togame never really come to an understanding about what actually happened, nor does anyone really apologize or... Well, there was never an explanation. Yeah, they just... Like, Shichika just gets kissed by Togame and then the entire thing is dropped because once Shichika beats Kiguchi, Togame's suddenly okay with it well she, her kiss supposedly makes him forget yeah it's which which is handy but not handy yeah except yeah. he wasn't doing anything wrong he was <laughs> just yeah kinda, just kind of well, dim <laughs> well no she just kind of wandered in at the wrong place at the wrong time and saw the wrong thing and assumed that ass between you and me uh, that something was going on and her jealousy that she wasn't supposed to have showed up in Roses. Yeah, it's just that, like, it's 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 technically resolved because Togame just stops caring, but that's not really a resolution, so it just kind of feels empty. Like, okay, so what was the point of this, even? Yeah, why did we go through um, this exercise? Like I, which is a shame because I like Kiguchi's Anki. I like the rest of the episode, um, and yeah. I especially like how Togeme sort of defeats Kiguchi. But like the dumb rom com inter- interludes are just oh, it just ruins the whole thing. <laughs> I, I like that explanation, uh, that wording, rom-com. Yeah, I, I could I could get that rom-com feeling. And if I slurred and it makes it sound like it's a rom-con, yeah, I kind of felt that too. Uh, yeah, so episode, yeah, um, I, I'm kind of with you there that uh, episode 9 was a mixed bag for me. Ugh. Yeah, so let's, that, there's not really much more to say about episode nine beyond that like there's there was some good stuff in it but unfortunately it too heavily focuses on togame's jealousy and it kind of 
drags the whole thing down. Um, so let's move on to uh, Sato Hakari scales the sincere, uh, which I really, I really like this one a lot. Yeah, um, it definitely made if, up for episode nine. <laughs> right, because yeah, because the yeah, because uh, what yeah, what's great about this is that you know it's about yeah, it's basically about. Uh, Shichika and Togame facing their past, you know, and rather checkered ones at that. Uh, yeah, yeah, and what's and what's neat is that the uh, katana wielder in this episode, uh, God, what is his name? Higaki Rine. Um, he's not, he's not really an opponent. Like he's he's mostly just there to make sure he's mostly just there to test them to see if like they have actually grown as people. <laughs> uh particularly in the case of Togame. So he's not really there to, you know, be someone to defeat, because that's also not really how the katana works. Um Right, he, because he's there to act, you know, as a sage. Right, because the <laughs> whole thing with the dude. because the katana, because the katana in this case doesn't have a blade, uh, and it's just a hilt, <laughs> and you know, except, you know, the point of it is the point of it is to sort of, you know, basically make you face yourself. Yeah, look deep into the mirror and tell me what you see. And and I really I really enjoyed uh, uh, Rene's conversations with both Togame and uh, and Shichika because uh, I I believe this is also the episode where Shichika at least first Shichika first like elaborates on what his feelings are for Togame and what his hopes for the future are. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure this is the first one where he really actually goes in depth on that. Yeah, and I think that's where she starts talking about map making and what they're going to do after they find all the swords. Yeah, it's it's a really nice um, it's just a, it's just a really nice episode because it's a lot of what makes this show so strong in the first place, uh, which is just you know characters talking to each other. Um, which I know sounds kind of dull, but also that's the best part of Bakemonogatari too. Uh, and I think it's what Nisio Isin is very good at. Um, and yeah, that's, that's kind of what this episode focuses on. And I just feel it does a really good job of giving us more insight into their characters and, uh, building on stuff that has been already established. <clears throat> Yeah, and this is also where we sort of, where we where we get the reveal that uh, that in a sense uh, uh, Shichika's uh, Kyoto Ryu Kyoto Ryu uh, style is uh, is in a sense uh, a a, a Shikizaki Kiki a blade of of its own. Yeah, Man, is which like sword? we. Which, like, we kind of, we was kind of already hinted at 
um, because you know, fairly even fairly early on, uh, Togame would call him her katana. Uh, but until until now, it's pretty much just been like, oh, it's probably just a metaphor. Um, but yeah, episode ten is the one where it's all but confirmed that he is also one of the um one of the blades one of the cursed blades <laughs> um so yeah let's uh, also Amon Zymon fights another ninja <laughs> it's fine it's another ninja fight <laughs> yeah um, and uh he also yeah the in the uh, and against the uh... Yeah, and against this ninja, he uh, he pulls out the guns. Yeah, it's the first time we see the uh, gun katanas used um, against the uh, lady with the whips. Uh, uh, it's it's it, it's a very it's a very um, Raiders of the Lost Ark moment, <laughs> where she's just like, "Ha, huh, just try and get through my whips." And he's like, "Oh, whatever, I'll just shoot you." <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, when I saw the guns, I, I had another flash before my eyes, and it got reinforced later on. I'm like, damn. Yeah. Um, then we come to episode 11, uh, most of which I don't remember too well, other than the stuff with Penguin and the final uh. scene. Oh no! Actually, episode eleven is quite significant because the whole point is that is that uh, the sword uh, contains the memories of uh, of uh, Shikizaki Kiki himself. Oh and, right! It does start with a flashback of him. And 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 the uh, and uh, the uh, last the leader of the uh, the leader of the ninjas uh, he has you know he you know he has the sword and he. He actually uh, he wields the sword and becomes possessed by uh, and comes possessed by Kiki. Yeah, ho oh, I which I didn't even need to look up because how could I forget his name when it's Pokemon? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, sorry, uh, go ahead. <laughs> no, um, the the venomous sword was one thing. Them. Heading and he's like, "Well, hey, I'm at the Shogi Town. You want to stop? No, well, no, you're not. Well, no, there's a dead, almost dead penguin in it. No, wait, but yeah, I feel I, so I, bad for Penguin in this episode. I yeah. know. And, 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 and then later on, he really gets, yeah, yeah. It's uh, like, yeah, it's like, you know, when they, you know, they, they, you know, they, they heal, they heal him up, they leave him in the, they leave him in the end. He's like, okay, he's gonna be out of the game, right? No. Eh. No, Emon Zymon shows up anyway and is like, I can counter your fate ability. Doesn't matter. I'm just going to murder the hell out of you. Yeah, which uh, we've, we've kind of broached into the episode 12, which is okay. 12 was... Uh, um, I, did, I did like the fight scene between Shichika and Ho-Oh. Yeah, but yeah. I... And actually, I also liked, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, sort of uh, possessed Ho's uh, possessed Ho's big uh, explanation of, of like, you know, 
of like why the katanas are so strange. Because it turns out that, uh, yeah, it turns out that Kiki uh, was a was could see into the future and could thus uh, use the knowledge from the future to forge the weapons, which. Which explains the guns, the guns <laughs> but also yeah, that guns, is uh, nuts. The guns 150 years early, yes. Uh, yeah. Well, like I said, when I first saw the guns, I knew this was going to be trouble and nothing good ever, and I was right. And yeah. that's that, That's where, I don't know about anybody else, but that, that's the end of 11 into 12 is where I kind of was like, you're kidding me. Yeah, so end of eleven, episode twelve, um, is where uh, Emon uh, Zymon uh, shoots Togame to death. Um, uh, mortally and, wounds her. Yeah, well, everyone takes forever to die in this show. Um, well, yeah, that's a good thing. It leaves a lot of time for uh, that, uh, you know, chat chat that you need to have. Yeah, so. Most of the first half of episode 12 is uh, Togame having a last conversation with Shichika, uh, where Shichika is really broken up about it, and Togame reveals that, like, she's been essentially manipulating him the whole time and was expecting this to happen. Uh... Yeah, and, in, and and also manipulated his love for her, uh, which I, I'm not sure if she's explicit about it, but she at the very least implies that his emotions were also manipulated by her. Um, and then she dies. Uh, and that's kind of where I got very mad <laughs> with the show. Ooh. Um angry yes <clears throat> well actually i thought okay yeah the conversations so okay her thing her explanation that she was manipulating the whole time you know she wasn't being completely honest with that one i mean and you know because i think what she was trying to do is she was trying to she was trying to get uh trying to get shichika to move on well, she was cushioning the blow, but it wasn't a great cushion. I interpret it as I interpret it as she was doing both. Oh. Uh, she was both telling the truth in that that was her initial plan, uh, right. while downplaying the fact that she did end up falling for him for real, but is also downplaying it because she intentionally wants to um, manipulate him further into doing what he does at the end of episode 12. Um, or I should say the second half of episode 12. Um, possible. Sort of, sort of regardless of kind of what the true meaning of her words are, sort of regard whatever interpretation you take. Um, this is kind of where my feelings... Well, no, this is definitely where my feelings about the show become exceedingly complicated. 
Uh, maybe because, even skewed a little bit. Because, like, there is an argument you can make, um, and I think you'd probably even be right, because I don't think Nisio Isin does things for no reason. I don't think he very fr- frequently does things by mistake. And in fact, he eventually did an ending similar to this uh, in the Zodiac Warriors show or whatever the hell that was. Uh, Junie Tyson, yes. Yeah, so it, it's it's not the exact same thing, but sort of the final themes are similar in that at the end of episode 12, it's kind of revealed that all this effort, all the sacrifice was essentially for for nothing because Shikizaki's predictions did not come to pass. He did not change anything. They killed the Shogun and another one just takes his place and everything proceeds just as normal. Happy go lucky, um, boom, boom, boom. And so... There is definitely an argument that can be made that the things that happened in episode 12 should feel, like, should upset you and should feel deflating and should feel disappointing because, you know, sort of, that's the point of episode 12. But on the other hand... Um, the episode 12 genuinely made me upset because to make that point, uh, a point that hadn't really come up until episode 12, because like this, this hasn't been a like nihilism or I guess not necessarily nihilism, but the futility of the journey has not really been a theme for most of the journey. Um, and the thing I liked most about the show was sacrificed in order to try and drive home a theme that wasn't really present until the last episode. And like, if, if Aaron were talking here, um, uh, he, uh, he would, you know, back me up on this, like... I am not necessarily opposed to deflating endings like this. Uh, we both, Aaron and I both watched Annihilation in theaters. That is a fantastic movie where almost everyone dies. Uh, it is a very, it is a depressing movie about self-destruction. Um, and I loved it. Uh, so I am, I am not opposed to endings like this. But my issue specifically with the ending as used in Katana Gatri is how it was implemented because it felt like the show was betraying me. Um, yeah, well, I had a... I and, had an, uh, go ahead. Uh, I, yeah, I, I'll, I'll let you two speak in, in just a moment. I'm very nearly done here. Okay, sorry. But yeah, it's sort of regardless of what the final point of episode 12 was that's not why I was watching the show and that's not what the show presented itself as for most of the runtime and it was just 
like there is a the part of me that can sort of detach myself from from my emotions and look at something from a literary critique perspective can understand why Nisio Isin ended the story the way he does. But as a person who consumes media and very much was emotionally invested in the relationships in this show, I, I can't remember the last time I've been an ending upset me this much. I honestly had a hard time getting to sleep because I kept thinking about it. Um, so that's that's my thoughts on it. Uh, okay, as far as, like, okay, yeah, setting things up here in that I don't think they, I... I don't think they pulled it, I don't think they pulled the, like, the themes here, uh, that they were going for out of, out of thin air. I don't think they just sprung this on us, uh, they don't think they just were springing this on us, uh, right, right at the end. You know, all, and, I mean, like, you know, like, all the conversations, all the conversations, for one thing, like, uh, Togame getting shot. All the conversations in episode 11, if you think about them, they're, like, totally setting up death flags. Like, it's just like, you know, it's like every interaction is, like, a death flag. Uh, but, now, but I think the, the larger point that, uh, that Nisiwisim was making, uh, I think was 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 pretty well set up. In that, in that, like this whole notion of, in, in that it was not nihilistic at all. It was actually kind of humanist, and I will explain why. Which is that, like that whole thing about that whole like. That whole theme, like, running theme about, like, the swords having this poison on them, uh, is, like, what I, what I thought was that it, that was a, it was a critique of the notion of, you know, being focused on things rather than people. You know? So, I think they were trying, they were trying to make kind of a humanist point with that. And well, I mean, I agree with that. I mean, that was right. something right. That we covered but, back in episode um, three. Yes, uh, but okay. So what I'm getting at here is that this, uh, like, uh, uh, you know, Kiki's whole plan about Kiki's whole thing about falsifying history is. Uh, you know, is and and like just like how monstrous the whole idea is, and and so the whole point is this is a critique of the idea that people can just that that people can just like play with that can they can just play with social and historical forces, uh, you know, while ignoring the people. 
And because, yeah, and it. Okay, yeah. so if if that was the point, then why did that require Togame to die? Uh, well, the the point is that it was it's uh it's getting it's uh. It's it's about the cost of that whole of that whole uh, mindset, which is that, which is that basically playing trying to play God with history, you know, grinds up the lives of a whole lot of really good people that are that are just trying to, you know, trying to better themselves and. So Togame basically gets grind up, gets ground up in this grand plan that ends up not amounting to anything because, because uh, you know, even like even you know, you know, even a super powered person can't really can't really control these historical forces. Well, I had a different take on it. It's semi... It's like... Until Dusty said that he'd pulled this kind of ending before, I figured that maybe he was having dinner somewhere some night. Somebody sat down next to him and says, Oh, you're working on the story. Hey, let me give you an ending. Boom. Because <sighs> that was... It, it, it went from okay to wow in like less than 45 minutes. Especially after we got to view everything we got to view. It's like, oh, hey, yeah, this might turn out to be something decent after all. Eh. Not so much. Yeah, he, he has done an ending similar to this before. The difference is that, at least in the case of the Zodiac Warriors, I didn't really care much about any of the characters to begin with. So um, the fact so... that its ending was just an intentionally big nothing didn't really matter so no loss, that much no loss, to me yeah no loss no gain um and like i get where ben is coming from um well i i might quibble about the details but ultimately and again this is where this is why i feel conflicted because as from a literary perspective i can justify it to myself as much as I want. But I cannot get over the fact that I still hate it. Just from... Just yeah. in my gut. I absolutely despise this bullshit f***ing garbage of an ending. Uh, bleep, 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 bleep. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll beep it. I but... know, I know. I, I'm just... Uh, I'm, trying light, I'm trying to lighten the mood yeah. here because... I... Uh, yeah. As you're I... angry, Ben's trying to be explanatory, and yeah. I'm sitting here just yeah, mildly, no, I, I think... mildly, mildly simmering. Yeah, I, I think I think Ben is absolutely coming at it from the right perspective. It's just not something I can reconcile with. Myself. Yeah, I, I sort, I have, I think I have a greater appreciation of you know what, like, you know what of what Nisiyoisin is going for. However, I, I agree with you that the ending left a really bad taste in my mouth. I, because I wanted, I like, because I wanted Togami and Chichika to be happy together, damn it. 
I yeah. wanted them to go. I wanted to see the next season where they went through Japan making maps. Well, that's not really a season, but that's, but but that hey, would have been hey, that would have been a great epilogue. That would have been a great epilogue to the whole thing. Is yeah, having having you know having yeah having Shichika and Togame like going and making maps. That would have been awesome instead of well, Shichika yeah. and Hite going around making maps when. Hite has basically been a complete bitch for the entire show. Yeah, that's one thing that really baffles me is the fact that Hite sticks around and, like, well, becomes sort of his traveling companion in Togame's stead. It's a very weird choice. It's like, you know, uh, lesser, lesser like, evils. I mean, there were, there, were, there were things I did like about episode 12. Uh, like, I like the bit where, I like the bit where Shichika, like, runs through the, runs through the castle and breaking all the, uh, breaking all the swords. Oh, yeah. I thought that was cool because, because it, it actually showed, it actually showed Shichika's growth as a character. Because he was like, he was going, he was like, he was going up against, and it showed, like, what he had learned from all of his battles. And all of his negotiations to get yeah, the, to get those swords. That sequence was fantastic. It's uh, amid a amid an episode that I largely did not like at all. Um, I that was one of my favorite sequences in, in the entire show. Uh, yeah, I especially the fight with Emon Zymon. Uh, oh, yeah, that was great. Yeah, where where Emon Zymon's all like, "Wow, impressive. You dodged all those bullets." And Shichika's like, "What dodging?" What dodging? <laughs> I just accepted that I was going to get hit, so, you know, screw you. Have a nice day. Oh, by the way, you are going to die. Watch this. Zip, see, you did. Yeah, it was it's... like, yeah, it was like, yes, I took those hits so that I could so that I could get in range to beat you to death. <laughs> yeah, it's that that part is very good. Um, and when he walked upstairs and threw the mask in the princess's lap, that was like, uh, guess what? I don't have to prove to you he's dead here. Boom. Oh yes, oh. and here were his dying words. That yeah. was pretty badass. Yeah. I also <laughs> like I also like his last words to the shogun. It's like. It's like the shogun is like trying to weasel, trying to be all weaselly, and it's like oh, it's like I'll give you the kingdom, and it's like and Shichika is like I don't care about that, cheerio, and then, yeah, um, <laughs> and then just like breaks the whole castle. Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, like right, but basically the fact that like the fact that. Togame died for nothing, and yes, that it was deeply unpleasant. Yeah, highly upsetting. Yeah, and, and again, like I don't think Nisio Isin did that unintentionally. I'm sure the point was for it to feel unpleasant. Uh, I just. You know, it would have been interesting at the time. I just don't care. (laughs) It it would have been interesting at the time that this aired to see what some of the review sites would have said about the final episode. 
or if what they said about the final episode could actually have been put into print. Um, we, we all know that there are people out there that have the same wide range of emotions that we do, and there was probably a whole bunch of people that weren't particularly jumping up and down happy about the way this ended. Oh, oh keep in mind, when this originally aired, there was a month between episode 11 and episode 12. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're we're talking about the Banner of the Stars cliffhanger between two and three, where where yeah, or between no, uh, yeah, where, where where Gentle gets thrown into prison, yeah. Yep. That is rough. <laughs> yeah, and that was that was two years, so that was even rougher. But yeah. Uh, all right. I'm... We I guess now we have to do something that I don't think any of us is looking forward to. Try to assign a number to what we just watched. Uh... Yeah. yeah, I've I've been trying to think of how I was going to review this uh, again because like it's such I have such complicated feelings about it. Um, I'm gonna give the show overall four. It's it's like yeah, mainly because of the uh, if the ending first... if the ending weren't such a downer, I would have given it a five, but. And it's like, it's a kind of thing which I can sort of respect, I can sort of respect, but I, but not love. Mm. Larry, what do you think? I, it was better than average, and average is a three. It wasn't great, so it wasn't a, well, you know, up until episode 10, it was kind of, it could have leaned towards a five, but it, I, I'm with Ben. I got to roll at a four because there was some things that, and if you say two or three, Dustin, I can completely and totally comprehend why you would say that. Yeah, so here's, here's going to be right my reasoning, because as much as I adore uh basically all of the episodes in the first third of it the first two thirds the episodes one through eight um an ending like an ending like this really deflates me and this is going to be a very personal thing um but it it kind of taints the rest of the series for me um and it's also the the kind it upsets me in a way that I do not enjoy feeling um, and try to avoid feeling whenever possible uh, and given that like I, I can't imagine Katana Gotri being a show where I say to someone, you know, watch the first eight episodes and then stop. Because, like, how much would that drive you mad? Like, if you just stopped at episode eight and then didn't know uh, anything else about it. Like, it's... It, it, royally infuriating would be a good point. Yeah, it, 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 it's not, like, a reasonable thing to ask someone to do. To just, like, cut themselves off, like, at, as the story is getting into, like, its final act. Um... But, but also can't... continuing, but also continuing, means getting to that ending. 
Yeah, and you, you can't throw up the perpetual spoiler and tell them, you know, hey, it's fine up until here, then after that. Yeah, I like, I've, I gotta give it a one. Okay. Because like, I, 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 I wish I had not watched it so I wouldn't have to feel the way I felt when I watched episode 12. I, know, I, I like I can I can see I can see it was it would be one of those things if it, it, yeah that uh, did you at least once you got done with episode twelve got out of the house walked around and just kind of looked at the sky for a little bit yeah I, I I did some jogging outside listened to some music watched some watched some Bob Ross because <laughs> um, because Bob, Bob that, Ross always makes me happy that's. Uh, when I've run across something that has upset me that deeply, uh, that's what I have a tendency to do is uh, not so much put it out of my head, but uh, try to uh, reason with it by not dwelling on it. I know that sounds stupid, but that's the yeah. way it works. But yeah, if, if this is a show where whether or not you're you're gonna want to see it, I think will depend very heavily on kind of like it will depend on how you get invested in these sorts of things like if you really uh, fall in love with the characters it's gonna hurt yeah i mean because yeah like i i'm sure there there are plenty of people like larry and ben where the ending sucks but they can detach themselves enough from that to sort of uh, appreciate as a whole whereas someone more like me it's not gonna matter (laughs) like that that final episode is just gonna wreck the whole thing uh it's it's a complicated thing to talk about and it's it's one of those cases where you know the the idea like the fact that it's one of those shows where the fact that reviews are inherently subjective, I think is more true than ever. <laughs> like, well, it's, it, you have to remember <laughs> something just, you know, when we first started this podcast, Dusty wanted to get going and it took me a few minutes to get in gear. The reason it took me to get in gear is I was still dealing cause I had just finished watching it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know, the only thing I can say to somebody who's listening to this, you know, uh, uh, I think you pretty much there's been enough of a spoiler the last uh, 12 minutes. If you have no idea how it ended, then uh, please get your hearing checked. But yeah, uh, so. uh, if you go to watch it, you know, don't be prepared for lollipops and roses because it's not going to be. Yeah, I, I, think, I, I think if I were to... I think I, I think there are people in my life that I would recommend this to, just because I know that they would not react to the ending the same way I did. Um, whereas there are other people I know would probably react like me, and I would just I would not at all recommend that they watch it. And, um, and then there's also the possibility that if you recommended it and gave no spoiler warnings to them that uh, your phone would be falling off the hook going, how the hell did <laughs> Or your Twitter account would tweet tweet little birds all night, yeah. Uh. And that's the thing, you know, when we review some of this stuff, I've got friends too that I, you know, they asked me, well, should I watch this? I said, you want a bone honest opinion? 
and I don't tell them the whole beginning. I don't tell them the end, but I, I, I give them a number. And I said, it's a two and a half. And they're like, that's your opinion. I said, yeah. And, you know, go into it with that, with that thought. And if I'm wrong, tell me about it. And if I'm right, uh, whatever, you know, I warned you. <laughs> yes. You've been fond. Yes. Uh, should we move on to something, uh, that starts out a little crazy and ends up real crazy? <laughs> yeah. Let, let's talk about Cowboy Bebop. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally, Cowboy Bebop. Totally this sequence of episodes goes all over the map. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a hell of a thing. Um, so oh, Cowboy what? Bebop episodes... Uh, 18 through 26. 18 through 26. Um... Man, yeah, there is a heck of a mix of episodes in here, including two of my absolute favorites, um, which we will get to in a moment. Uh, but yeah, uh, Speak Like a Child um, is kind of neat because I think I think even at the time that it came out, Betamax was an antique. Yeah. It, mm, beta the, war had, had, the war had been won by then, yes. Yeah, yeah, or or or, at, or maybe not necessarily an antique, but it was definitely obsolete. Yes. No, it, it, 90, 98 Beta wasn't obsolete, but the war had been won. Okay. The Japanese, Sony was still emphatically, and they had JVC for a while chugging out Betamax machines, but JVC gave up on it and went the other direction, but... Uh, in ninety eight Sony was... Sony event Sony eventually had their revenge with Blu-ray. <laughs> uh Sony took Sony bit off a pretty good chunk with that and they invested a lot of time and money in it and it did not pay the dividends they thought it was going to pay. And that's a good place to stop with that conversation. <laughs> um but yeah, so that this episode is the first one where we get a uh, much bigger glimpse into Faye's history before she got put into cryogenic stasis. Yeah. Um, and it's really interesting. Um, and also, I just like uh, Jet and Spike attempting to interact with the sort of VHS and Betamax, like the the antiques dealer. <laughs> and Spike behaving so very badly. Badly? Look, you know, Spike kicking anything makes it work? No. Kicking everything does not make it work. Oh, uh, Spike is such a dumbass at times. He is. <laughs> He's that, that warm, likable doofus that you're like... You know, you don't want to take him anywhere with you, but you don't mind being around him. Uh, this episode. But yeah, this, so... Yeah, keep going. The, yeah, the, the real highlight is for the end where they're watching the Betamax and uh, we see, like, Faye, child Faye, essentially, like... Like, it's implied that the, that the tape is like a time capsule she created for herself. Mm-hmm. Right. She was, like, trying to make, like, a statement to her future self. Yep. Yeah. Which which was a thing at, at one time. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, there was a lot of people that were going, oh, hey, you know, maybe the world will end tomorrow. I want to leave an impression of myself for the world. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if we went back to that, it wouldn't be a bad thing either. But that's <laughs> that's a topic for another discussion. Yeah. Um, does anyone want to talk about wild horses? Uh, this was one where I just thought I was fine, but I... It's the cowboy, 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 cowboy. The only thing I oh, like to Oh, no, know. that's that's cowboy funk. Wild oh, Horses okay. is the one with the hackers. Oh, okay, never mind. And the, the space pirates. Yeah, no, that's oh, more right. phase. That's where Faye's losing at the dog track. Right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Yeah. Faye, that was, Faye, it was... It was okay. I think, I don't know, I think the, I, like the... I don't know. The plot seemed kind of iffy. Yeah, sketchy. Yeah, it was it was fine, but it you know it's pretty not very memorable. Um, uh, but then the next one, uh, Pierre Le well, Pierre yeah. Le Fou. Yeah, the so, assassin. Wait a minute. Before we do that, I got to say one thing about Faye. Sure. Faye doesn't learn. There was twice with the dogs that she had a pile of cash and she just stopped while she was ahead. And no, the next scene, she's got a stack of tickets about five inches thick. And then we see them all go flying into the air. Yeah. Sadly, that's not how people with gambling addictions really work. They don't really go, yes, this is enough for me. (laughs) I know. But it's, it's just like, you know, I watched that and I said, gee, where have I seen that before? Uh, moving right along yeah so i i I should mention uh real quick that uh immediately after uh well actually immediately before watching the final two episodes um i create a top five list of my favorite bebop episodes and piero the foo uh, or the foe um was episode was number five for me i love this episode i I wasn't completely satisfied by it because it it seemed like because the whole thing was is that you basically got this guy who who's like this I don't know I guess like augmented super soldier guy uh you know who's who was basically designed to be like a you know you know designed to be like a super killer and then he goes rogue and just like kills people indiscriminately um well what happened is the the uh the conditioning went wrong, so yeah. he ended up, you know, you know it, and they, they locked him away. I mean, this wouldn't be the first time that a child soldier had been created, or yeah. I, I keep thinking back to Borderline. Right. Uh, so the so the point the problem with that I have with this episode was that he was a he was a I mean he was like a really good villain, like really I mean like really scary and threatening, but. The way the episode played out, it basically took all agency away from Spike and company. Because it had Spike just, like, basically acting like a moron and getting his ass kicked for most of the episode until, the uh, until like, the uh, Piero guy, uh, until the Piero guy basically self-destructs because he's, uh, because of the, because of the way the conditioning works, it basically, he's scared of cats. <laughs> um... Which I mean, who isn't? <laughs> scared right. of cats? Who's ever scared of cats? I mean, there's nothing. Neko, there's nothing to be scared about. It's just a Neko. Mm. Right. 
Yeah, I um, I can definitely see that argument. Um, I think what I think what really um what makes me like Pierre Lafoe so much is the atmosphere of it and the visuals and the soundtrack and like yeah, yeah Spike but... Spike doesn't really do a whole lot on his own to save himself. He mostly just survives long enough for Piero to do himself in. Um but I think I'm kind of uh, on one level I'm kind of okay with the fact that Spike kind of just gets lucky. <laughs> Um, because it makes Piero that much more horrifying. Um, that if Spike didn't get lucky, he would just stand. We would he would have been dead right there. Um, yeah, and it's, and also it's I I, I just love the visuals of the oh yeah like the direction the amusement park and yeah the direction the animation and the sound oh that was all top notch I'll give you that yeah and like if if you've got a Good, if you just got a really solid idea and the cinematography and uh, and soundtrack to match it, I can forgive a lot of plot line sins. Well, <laughs> um, you have to remember something about Bebop. <laughs> at, at the time Bebop was made, Bebop was one of the most expensive animes that was out on the market. It went 20 million yen an episode. Yeah, I moved the decimal place over too, but that's still, you know, two hundred grand an episode. That's it's pretty. It's, it's a lot for an anime, especially at that time. Yep. It, this yeah. Was, so like it, sun, Sunrise went way out on a limb with Bebop, and they were a, successful. Yeah. So it, it's definitely not the best episode, uh, or even necessarily a good episode, um, in terms of like characters and plot uh but i love how evocative it is it well i'm trying to think of a good way to describe how i feel about it it's it's an experience more than it is a story um and while i don't always go for that I I was definitely into what Pierre Lafoe was doing. Um, well, I have to. Give I can totally understand it falling flat, though. I, I give <laughs> I can give kudos for the staff of at least the Japanese version of the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man flattening Perot. Oh, that was so good! The giant dog. Yep. Uh. Boogie Woogie Feng, feng Shui. Um, or Feng Shui, actually, is the yep. correct pronunciation. Yep. Uh, this one was... This one was fun. Um, yeah, uh, it especially, was... Especially the kibitzing between Faye and Spike when, when the younger one showed up. It's like, do you think that's Jet's girlfriend? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, even Jet's kind of creeped out by that idea. Yeah, um, which thank God. <laughs> but you know, they 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 approached the territory for a second. They rattled the tree and then they moved on. Yeah. Where if it had been today, I think they would have approached it, rattled the tree, and see what fell out. Yeah, uh, that's definitely the case. 
I think. Um, I, I also just genuinely, I, I just really enjoyed their interactions too. Uh, I, I think they paired well together. Um, and I just, it, there wasn't like a whole lot to the episode, but it was just a really fun one-off where we got to see Jet sort of interact in a way that we don't generally see him interact with people. Um, yep. Much more like a kind of father figure as opposed to like the sort of philosophical hard ass that he is when he's talking with uh, Faye and Spike. <laughs> you know, he, he sat there and he bumbled for a second. He said, you know, well, you know, I'm old enough to be your boyfriend. No, I guess I'm old enough to be your dad. Uh, well, uh, yeah. Uh, older brother. Let's older go with brother. older brother. Yeah, let's go with older brother, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, he, he, he's, he's fumbling for the words and she's just looking at him going, keep going, you'll hit the right combination. And Onisan, yeah, poof. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, it's been a while since I've watched Bebop, so the nuances of some of these episodes I had forgotten. So, yes, I thank you for the rewatch, but it's like, wow. And, you know, I have to say, I know we're, we're, I'm a little ahead of myself, but Bebop's actually held up pretty well. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it, it has. Um, that's the thing. I, I, it's, that's one of those things. It's like, I sort of, in many ways, I appreciate it more on a rewatch than I did when I first watched it. Yeah, it it well, is man, definitely one of those shows that benefits from second or third viewings. Well, the bad part for me was Adult Swim and Adult Swim commercials. Commercials. I oh yeah. The, you want the best way to get distracted from watching a good anime is have them throw in commercials. Yeah, I'm I'm watching it on. Funimation right now. I, I paid for their streaming service because eh, it's 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 cheap, and they've got a bunch of stuff on there I want to watch anyway. That's not on Crunchyroll, uh, and yeah, like it's totally commercial free. They've got both the uh, uh, English and uh, Japanese versions, yeah. and yeah, it's 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 a really yeah. fun experience just watching all this in just one big chunk. Well, one of the things that yeah, one of the things I appreciate, like on you know yeah. Uh, streaming it as opposed to uh, as opposed to like uh, you know watching an Adult Swim. One of the uh, one of the things that Adult Swim definitely left out was the next episode previews, which uh, yes. were kind of which were really entertaining in their own right. Yeah, there's yeah. some really clever ones, uh, was... especially one where Spike has Ein do the next episode preview. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and and like for most of it, it's dog barking, but then at the very end, like yeah, I Ein actually you know says the episode title and Spike's like, wait, you can speak? <laughs> you didn't ask. <laughs> well, and you know the the flashcards between the breaks, the eye catches. It's like you know Bebop is going to be its own genre. Yeah, well, it it, it did and it didn't. It didn't quite make its own genre, but yeah, it is its own genre. Yeah, they they they've got a bunch of those like custom eye catches. And it's like you know it's like. I have not really, if you think about it, I have not seen anything that has come close to equaling Bebop. Yeah, certainly, like, while I'm not, like, super, super hugely positive on it, it, it's definitely true that there are extremely few things that are like Bebop. 
Yeah, because it seems like most other shows never even tried to do the things that Bebop was doing. Yeah, like one of the few exceptions is Space Dandy, and that's just straight up made by the same person and just leans way harder into the goofier aspects of Bebop. And, you know, Bebop didn't didn't shoot itself in the foot. It shot itself in the foot when it killed Spike. You know? Because they could, they could have gone on. Ah, uh, see, there's a debate there. <laughs> I know there's a debate there. We'll... It also doesn't matter. <laughs> um. Yeah, well, no. Finally, see, I finally got to see the end without the Adult Swim credits on. And yes, the star did actually fade away. Yeah. So what? Um. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll get to my thoughts on like the whole did Spike die or not controversy. Yeah. Um, Oh good! I'm glad to, to see that, that I. But... I'm glad to see that I took a spoon out and stirred that up a little bit. I don't uh, know. Yeah. All right. Right. So then, actually, episode twenty-two was one of my favorites because that was just funny. <laughs> yeah, and, and he, here's where I get to be on the opposite side of the spectrum. I hated Cowboy Funk, <laughs> like, which is wild because you'd think I'd totally be into an episode where there's just straight up a dude riding a horse. Um. Nope. But, like, Spike is such an idiot. <laughs> like, Well, you know, Faye said it best. She says, look at those two. Two peas out of the same pod. Like, like, when Faye is the voice of reason in an episode, you know I that know. something has gone wrong. <laughs> yeah, terribly, horribly, and in this case, hilariously wrong. Well, I think, I think the thing about that is that Basically, Andy just brings out the worst in Spike. Familiarity breeds contempt. Haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, th- like there are there are parts of this episode I, I do definitely enjoy. Um, uh, I like, I actually like the Teddy Bomber a lot, and I like his philosophy a lot. <laughs> um, I also, I also like. This is one of the few episodes where I unequivocally like Faye because for this entire episode she is just so fed up with everybody else <laughs> like you said when Faye when Faye ends up being the voice of logic and reason you're like oh boy yeah, and and, it's, and like I so empathize with her in this episode where she's just like just like Andy is an idiot Spike is an idiot I'm just gonna punch this dude out and get it over with like thank you, <laughs> thank you, Faye. Uh, anyway, so g- go ahead, uh, 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 Ben. Um, no, I, I, tell me why you love this so much. Well, no, I just, I, I was just, it, I, it was just funny. I just enjoyed the humor. You know, it's, I also like, especially at the end. It's like when it's like. Andy gives up on being a cowboy and then decides to become a samurai. <laughs> and then, and then like, the the, te- the little tag at the end, see you, space samurai, instead of see you, yeah. space cowboy. Yeah. yeah. I, I got a charge out of that. Yeah, I just, I, I, I just found it hard to bear uh, with, with Spike being so immature. <laughs> Um, well, it did show that the calm, cool, collected Spike could be human, too. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, uh, so Mr. Mr. Ironwall is not really an Ironwall after all. There, there is a chink in Spike's armor. Right, and then right, and then there was uh, then the next episode after that, Brain Scratch. That was trippy. Yeah, Brain Scratch is real interesting. Um, it, it's not one of my favorites, but I do like. I do enjoy it a lot. Um, I think it, if, if we were rating individual episodes, it would definitely be a four for me. Um, just because, like, everybody in the crew gets something to do. Um, it's, uh, it's a neat premise. Um, like, everybody, everybody is familiar with cults. Uh, and this kind of just takes, you know, a typical cult thing and, you know, twists it for, for the sci-fi future of this really weird universe it bebops um, it yeah and like uh spike and Faye both get stuff to do um sort of on the ground level uh jet ad and ein all get stuff to do sort of as the support team um i even gets to put on the visor <laughs> to help ed hack the system <laughs> um which is adorable <laughs> um and, uh, okay. and, and generally and like there, there's just a, there's just a lot of speaking oh, of adorable guys. Speaking of adorable. Speaking of dogs. No, you, you said the magic word, Ein. Uh, but yeah, there's just this. It's just like a really well constructed story with a lot of cool stuff going on. Yeah, and you know, I'm sorry. I, in this episode, Ein gets it gets yeah. Corgi. I, I mean, I'm a corgi nut. I hate to admit it. I. Uh, <laughs> I have fr- I have friends who are corgi. I have never owned one. It's one of those things. It's kind of it's kind of like you know other people's kids. They're adorable, and then when you're done spoiling them, you can go home. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, corgis are just uh, yeah. It's uh huh. Okay, I digressed, but uh, who cares? Right. We are speaking about corgis. Ben, how do you feel about this episode? I I enjoyed it. Oh, like I said, it was a trip. It was a trip down memory lane. What I liked about it was like the uh, like the bits of uh, the uh, the bits of uh, like the bits of TV footage and the imagery there. It was kind oh of, yeah, had that the like, opening kind of, sequence of them cha- switching through the channels and then seeing Faye is such a really is such a great reveal. Yeah. Well, let's see. Is this the last one where Punch Judy says it's her last that we're oh, going? Yeah, I think it is. I think yeah, this is the yeah. episode where uh, Punch and Judy have their final episode, and they're and Judy gets extremely angry. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, like, no, that's not yeah. called. That's not called angry. That's called torqued. And I, I, I love them. <laughs> she, I mean that. She, it, it, I mean, there was anger seething, and it's like when when that when that initially aired, I'm like, ooh, somebody ruined her afternoon. It's fu- It's fine. I'm sure Netflix will pick them up. Future future Netflix, whatever that uh, is. Yeah, actually, what I liked is in the next episode. Uh, in the next episode, Punch actually shows up out of costume. Yeah, <laughs> they be- I. Did not catch that. Uh, yeah, like there, there was this bit. Uh, yeah, because there, there was this bit uh, when, like, let's see, I think where Faye's going through the airport, and she sort of 
and she sort of crosses paths with this, uh, you know, with, with the black this, guy. Yeah, with this black guy who, who and who's like talking about he's pig, he's, ta- talking about how his show got how his show hit you know, like how he's out of work because his show got canceled and his yeah, uh, yeah, his co-star married his her agent. <laughs> yeah, he was picking up his mom. Yeah. Yeah, he, the guy picking up his mom was was uh, Punch. Oh man, I, I need to rewatch that portion. I totally missed it. Yeah, but yeah, it's like, yeah, that's yeah. the one. That's oh, the one. That's the, that's the one thing Bebop does to you if you're not careful. They they do all these little subtle things, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait a minute, where? How? how what? Oops, uh, speaking of, sounds like right. the dog's kidnapped him. So, there he is. No, I'm, I'm good. Just closing my right. door. So, uh, <laughs> dog. yeah. So then, uh, right. So, yeah, episode 24 is when uh, Ed and Ayn exit the stage. Well... Yeah, so Hard Luck Woman is straight up my favorite episode of Cowboy Bebop, I think. Well, um, Ed, I like how Ed conned him into finding her father. Yeah, the, there are so many good bits in this episode for both ed and Faye, and also even like jet and spike um like Faye's backstory sequences are like like really visually captivating and like uh really emotional um Ed's ed sequence with the nuns and and Faye sort of being the nuns is hilarious uh and ed meeting with her father is is also great um especially since like her father also seems to be just as scatterbrained as ed is yeah they they do say sometimes it runs in the family yeah and just like and again just the, the visuals and the soundtrack in this episode are perfect well um, you you're back to Yoko Kano music. I mean, you know, like I, like I said earlier, there's times on Bebop that I wish I could just shut the dialogue off and listen to the music because the music tells a good a story as as the visuals do. Yeah, or, and even just like, and even just kind of like the the clever the clever thing behind sort of Jet and Spike talking with Ed's father, and. Ed's father explains like how he's trying to create maps of Earth, and Jen and Spike go like, "Well, that seems like a pointless task. Like things are, you know, meteors are con- like debris is constantly striking and changing things. Like you can't, you know, it's changing every day." And they're like, "Yeah, so we, you know, we gotta. That's why we gotta keep doing it. Uh, it's a, it's never ending task and." Just sort of the irony of them essentially describing their own lives to yeah. this guy and saying, "Well, that seems that seems futile," and sort of not realizing that they're talking about themselves too. Well, they've reduced Earth to the common denominator. Is it's like it's constantly changing, and if we don't keep up with it, we'll we'll get so far behind we'll never get caught up again. That that's kind of got its own poignancy too. Yeah, it's it's just such a brilliantly constructed episode. I love it to death. Yeah, the funny thing is, is considering that Bebop's 20 years old, some of the things that they mention in it are almost 
relevant with just a little bit of tweaking today that and if people looked at him told so what are they talking about today you look at it go oh yeah that's what they were talking about yeah i think there are definitely some things that feel more relevant today than they did in the past just because of the things that have happened to the earth since then um but also just uh, from a larger perspective uh as i mentioned on one of our previous recordings a big part of cowboy bebop is about the segment of the population that gets forgotten about um gets left and buried on earth and that is at least while we have a capitalist system that is always going to be relevant uh you know and the thing that confused me and i'm glad we rewatched bebop is i keep forgetting that most of the action is taking place on mars and not on the earth yeah it's really easy to forget that yeah Yeah, it's like oh yeah no 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 no. they're on mars they're on mars that's why i mean mars in this time mars looks like earth well of course well parts of it do man makes everything in his own in his own essence yeah yeah, okay i I got that i i I, yeah because i recall during uh i think it's speak like a child um, we see uh, Faye coming back from horse racing and like she sort of goes past this border that uh, so the, the edge of this um, habitable land is spewing out what I assume is atmosphere mm-hmm. um, so not all of Mars is like Earth just you know well, partially terraformed portions of it if you, if you go for the things that uh, Carl Sagan and uh, I can't remember the other guy, but they they were on that talking about, you know, that it would take at least 200 years to terraform enough of Mars to be habitable. And now, granted, this was something that was uttered mm, 25, 30 years ago. But, yeah, I, I can I can see where I can see where things like that and you know go back to the terminator movie on mars you know where everybody lived in the dome and then the minute you get out the dome oh hey guess what you die so yeah right uh but now we reach the end of Uh, yeah the real folk blues um part one and two julia shows up yeah i've mentioned before that i kind of don't care about spike's backstory um yeah julia's just not that that interesting no and vicious is just such a goofy friggin edgelord like well i can't i can't take i can't take vicious seriously well actually what's sort of interesting what's sort of interesting about vicious is that he he's actually mostly the stoic archetype except as a villain you know, because the thing about Vicious is that he doesn't really say a lot. You know? No, he's your strong silent just, type that, yeah. He just, you know, he just gets stuff done while murdering people. Murdering a lot of people. Well, uh, Vicious would be a good person to be a part of Murder Incorporated. And that's probably since there's no response coming that, that I'm bringing up an old series that nobody's like, oh, what murder? Huh? What what planet? 
Yeah, never mind. Yeah, I, 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 I got, I got that reference. That's uh that's actually yeah, okay. a, that's actually a, histor- a historical reference. Yes. There really was a murder incorporated in the 20th century. Yes, and it was very much mob run, and it very much made people disappear. In fact, some of them they made disappear so good that I don't think they've ever found some of those people. Right. But. But that that would that's how Spike struck, or not Spike, but Vicious struck me is Vicious would be the head of Murder Incorporated. So yeah, Julia. I mean, although actually, one thing I did like was uh, Julia's interaction with Faye. That was kind yes. of yes. When, when they run specifically, into each other I liked how Faye interacted with her. Yeah. Well, especially when when Faye's standing there and Julia's getting ready to leave, and she looks over and she says, "Oh, by the way, tell Spike." And she goes, "How did you know that I knew Spike?" <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, Faye, your your history is catching up with you. And I have to admit, Faye puts up a pretty pretty good fight trying to keep Spike from not doing something stupid and of course we are talking about Spike here, so it yeah. does. What I think is really fascinating and sort of like leads into my thoughts on how episode twenty six ends is that sort of like fate does sort of end up going through her character arc like she she does complete her arc um and she realizes from where spike's going that his path is self-destructive and he doesn't need to do it um and she very deliberately gives him a way out Yep, and he chooses not to take it. She um, he, he ignores her. I think that's what frustrates her the most is when he stands there and blatantly ignores her. Yeah, which I think like frustrates her even more because like Spike and Jet offered her that way out, and she eventually did take it. I like I don't think they, in, I don't think they knew necessarily consciously that they were doing it but they absolutely were offering offering her a way out of her current predicament and a way out of the cycle she was in Um, and eventually it worked for her because she realized you know what she was being offered and that she needed to take it because otherwise you know she would never get out well, and it's the thing, it's what she told Spike on the ship. She says, you know, I, I, I have nowhere else to go, or not Spike, but Jet, on the ship. She says, I have nowhere else to go but here, and I finally realized that. And then this idiot's running off and doing this. Yeah. And, and Jet's like, I'm not going after him. She goes, you know, he's made his own bed, he's going to lie in it, I'm not going after him. And, I mean, I think that's what aggravated Faye most of all. Of course, again, had Jet not been shot up, things might have been different, but... Yeah. Well, also, I think it's just in Jen, Jet's nature to not really butt in. Like, he'll tell people what his opinion is. Like, he's not afraid of doing that. He's told Spike he's an idiot multiple times. But just Jet's personality is, like, he will tell you his opinion, and then he'll back off. Because, like, what you do is your own business. Jet's not going to get involved. Mm-hmm. And that 
I, I find that <clears throat> refreshing in a way and annoying at the same time because I've had people in my life I've had people in my life that you can tell four or five times, you know, that they're basically running running down the pathway to hell and they keep running headlong. Like with a lot of characters in this show, that tendency of jets is a double edged sword. Um yeah, so the ending. The ending. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah, we're basically uh, we're yeah. Spike goes. <laughs> Spike uh, basically goes to goes and takes on Vicious, and he wins, but is mortally wounded in the process. And he's like, Where is he? Yeah, he walks. He walks out. Yeah, he walks out of the building where he's just like slaughtered everybody. Uh, where he's just like slaughtered everybody and basically left a, a huge power vacuum in the syndicate. He walks out, uh, points his finger, says "bang," and then drops dead right in front of all these other syndicate guys. Yeah. So I, one thing I knew, despite having barely seen any Cowboy Bebop, but one thing I knew for a while is that. Uh, Spike's ultimate fate was very hotly debated at the time. Oh yeah, um, because it's it's ambiguous whether or not he actually does die. Um, because it's not like he gets shot with a bunch of bullets; like he gets slashed by a sword. And anime protagonists <laughs> come back from sword slashes all the time. Yeah, um, well, it's not like Andy where he's been where he's been beat up enough that there's a pool of blood either. Yeah, but sort of my take on it is that it kind of doesn't matter whether he lives or dies um the thing that mattered was spike's choice when Faye gave him a way out and he didn't take it um that's the thing that mattered yeah because like regardless of like even if he lives spike hasn't truly moved on from vicious and julia if he had he would never have gone on the suicide mission in the first place uh and Um, i think if julia had lived he'd never gone on the suicide mission yeah and and like killing them is not going to change that and uh actually and actually that uh that comes up like right after the after the end of the closing credits the last thing you see on screen in the uh, in the bottom of the screen is you're going to carry that weight. Yeah. Um. So like ultimately, like even if he doesn't die, he has killed his future, essentially, because he chose not to move on and to create a new life and identity for himself. Yeah, I mean... he chose to. He chose to. St- keep himself in that past which ultimately is the because which is effectively the same as dying well the the other argument is is in going and killing off vicious and removing that that he could have a future because as long as vicious was alive he wouldn't have a future yeah except vicious would hunt him down and except uh, the thing is that uh uh even if he lived he'd basically be at the tender mercies of a a, a a leaderless syndicate that wouldn't have any idea what to do with him. Yeah. Yeah, they wouldn't know whether he was the the victor or the vanquished. Yeah. So ultimately, like 
my thought on it is that it doesn't matter whether he lived or died. Like, his fate is ultimately the same regardless. Uh, because of the choices he made before he even stepped in that church. Um, well, I, have to and, give, I have to give Faye a thousand brownie points for trying to tell him he was an idiot and trying to knock some sense into it. It is impressive what these last few episodes did for my thought, my opinions on Faye. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. She actually, she actually got real character development and growth over the course of yeah. the series. Yeah, and like she, she, she becomes like one of the most sympathetic characters on the show by the end. Well, um, I think it's when she found out that she had a past and that her name actually was Faye. That helped. And that people that didn't that she didn't know looked at her and said, Yeah, you're always gonna be a troublemaker. Deal with it. Live with it. You know. Yeah. When when you find out your past like that, it's kinda like, Oh wow, now what do I do? Yeah, basically like the only like right, she she remembers her past and she goes back to her hometown, which is just like a wreck it, which is just like a wreck now. Uh and, I'm sure thanks to a stray meteor. Right. And, uh, you know, and, like, the only person that she knew from back when is just, like, this, well, this, uh, this old lady, uh, now, who, like... The, the scene know. of Faye drawing the outline of her house on the wreckage... Her bedroom, right. ...is... Oh, it's so good! <laughs> It's such a good scene. And, and that's a, that, that is one thing Bebop did with regularity, would come up with these good scenes. I mean, there's not an episode, even the cowboy one, there's, there's not an episode that there wasn't a good scene in it. And I'm sorry, my favorite one in the cowboy episode still is when them two idiots are running up the side of the building trying to kill each other. <laughs> oh man, it look it reminded me of a video game cutscene. Yep. Uh yeah, so man, this This, is this show it. was a heck of a thing. Um, see, look, you it took you twenty years to watch it. I mean, and you can still appreciate it. And you can still appreciate it today. That's that's one of the. I mean, when we finally decided that we were going to watch Bebop, I'm like, I, I kind of have to admit, I started it with some misgivings, you know, because we had watched some other stuff that had dated itself really quick. But you know, I actually Bebop was refreshing. Yeah, yeah. As a as a science fictional prognostication, like the timeline doesn't really. The timeline doesn't work, but, uh, but like, but it's sort of as a kind of, but as a few, as a sort of version of the, as a, like, as a future world, it holds together. It has internal yeah. consistency. Nice uh, entertainment value. Bebop is entertaining. Oh, yeah. I uh, being without being so damn silly that after five episodes, you know, you, you want to go back to watching Pokemon or Dragon Ball Z or something. 
Though it can also be very silly, uh, which I appreciate. Like, well, it, it can well, have wild swings in tone and still totally work. Well, the thing is, it's it's about life, and life has wild swings in it. Well, that's the thing is that what what's okay. What makes it what makes Cowboy Bebop work is that uh, it has wild swings in tone between episodes, but each episode manages to have a salt manages to have a consistent tone within itself. As, yeah, agreed. Oh, I, I I'm with you, Ben. I I can completely totally concur about that. Yeah. All right. So I, I like uh, that aspect gets, of it. It gets a five. Anything less is 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 an insult to the show. Yeah. yeah, I I wouldn't say it's a perfect show. I will give it a low. I will give it. I'll give it a five, but kind of a low five. You know. So yeah. I, it's interesting. Like b- before, I sort of finished this like last portion. I was almost certain I was going to give it a four. Um, But like watching this last sequence of episodes, like even though my opinion that it's, it can be a mixed bag is, is still, I still believe that there are some fantastic episodes here. There are some, you know, just pretty good episodes here. There are some mediocre ones. There's some bad ones. Um, it is uneven in quality, uh, God, it's so but also fun. I, but also I sort of, I still want to give it a five because I don't think that matters much in the end, um, mm-hmm. 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 because <clears throat> like what matters to me about Cowboy Bebop is that it just goes for it. Like it just, it knows what it wants to do, and it goes in hard. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But when it works, it is there's nothing like it. Uh, so yeah, I, I've got I've got to give it a five. <laughs> like e- even though I wouldn't, it's funny because it's one of the shows where. Even though I don't like all the episodes, I still recommend people watch all the episodes, partly because I think it's important to get a sense of all that Cowboy Bebop was, but also because so many of these episodes, as as we've sort of seen as we've gone through them bit by bit, like, how much you enjoy them can be, you know, vary a lot between person to person, just because of how varied the episodes themselves are. Um, and Game inevitably, boxes. inevitably, no two people are going to have the exact same list of episodes they like to rewatch and episodes they skip whenever they go back to Cowboy Bebop. And also, um, I think, yeah, also I think the whole ends up being greater than the sum of its parts. Yeah, absolutely. Oh man, Bebop be a trip. So yeah, probably probably not a surprising end result <laughs> for people who have already seen this but um I, I really hopefully sort of our opinions on the journey have been uh interesting to hear anyway turns out there's I a, certainly turns out there's a good reason that it's a that cowboy bebop is a classic 
Yeah, it turn, yeah, it turns out like there's there's a reason why people have been constantly telling me I need to watch it for the past few decades. <laughs> they weren't lying to me. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's the funny thing that you you mentioned how long it's been, and I keep, you know, it, sorry, it, okay. I realized two things. One, last time I watched Bebop, it was on a cathode ray tube, and not. 37 inch big screen well i guess 37 is not big anymore by today's standards but i'm just watching this and i'm like where have you been all my life well wait a minute i watched you wait a minute i don't remember oh wait a minute i do remember this but i don't remember that but this was fun oh wait a minute that was insane yeah and that and you will find yourself doing that when you rewatch bebop especially if you it's been a while since you watched it all of a sudden you look at it and go Oh, wait a minute, I don't remember... Oh, yeah, okay, I remember that. That that was a thing, it happened. Okay. Yeah, I last watched it. I, I last watched it on a CRT as well. Oh. <laughs> Alright, anyway, I think... Uh, I think we should uh, tackle the uh, listener comment that was left by fathomless blue a week ago you mean war and peace volume three <laughs> so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna cover the entire thing um i'm gonna sort of briefly go through the recommendations portion but i, I will read um uh his entire thoughts about lane because i think they're fascinating um so he says uh, now that you're all done with polygon pictures bad cgi kylo ren monstrosities and grand fate hell i figured i'd catch up on the last few episodes yeah, thanks. Nice, nice job nagging us on our anime choices. <laughs> uh, in regards to asking what serial experiments Lane was trying to say behind all that obfuscation, I think the main point Shiaki J. Konaka was attempting to get at was a cautionary lesson in the effects of future technologies, such as the internet. In particular, the idea that getting too involved in interfaces divorced from reality could create new identities complete re- completely removed from it. And while there is definitely some element of truth to what he was getting at, there are a couple key problems with that outlook, one that was apparent at the time and another that didn't become understood until later. First up is the point that Dusty already alluded to in his discussion, primarily that treating Lane as a cautionary example for mankind begins to fall apart with the reveal that she is an entity beyond normal human existence. It's all well and good having a character act as a stand-in for a general shared experience, but when, the, but when the conclusion to her arc boils down to saying, but your circumstances are special, it deflates the overall message and veers into YA special teen territory. The second issue is that while there's some truth to the idea that, of creating alternative identities through means like avatars, and especially for content creators, marketable public personas, by and large, people have stayed true to themselves for better or for, and for worse. Konaka believed that the digital world would muddy up our identities by creating alter egos, but in reality, the true danger was that the anonymity and gamification of social media, divorced from immediate physical consequences, has allowed people to embrace their worst impulses and attitudes. We've become more like our inner selves, not less. Konaka was right in believing in the dangers, but ended up at the wrong conclusion in regards to the form they would take. As for all the puzzle box stuff and lore, while it's been some years since I last saw the series, my impression has always been that they largely meant nothing. 
Sure, you could find some leads to a wider background if you wish, but honestly I've always viewed it as a camouflage or padding in regards to the wider points. All that stuff is in there chiefly because Konotica thought it was cool. You're essentially seeing an example of early internet reference culture and mimetic trends long before they adapted to take on the immediate social template we see today. For all that griping, I still appreciate Lane, but as the years have gone by, my interpretation of the work has shifted from being a grandiose piece of prophetic genius to an, ac to an anachronistic and somewhat pretentious, but ultimately still charming and earnest piece of science fiction. Kind of, kind of like how I view the PlayStation 1 Final Fantasy games as an adult. It definitely makes me wish Chiaki J. Konaka was given more work, as he's responsible for some of the early Double O's most iconic shows, but has been completely absent from the industry since he wrote Ghost Town back in 2009. Yoshitoshi Abe, who created the concept art and designs for Lane, in addition to Techno Lies, Nie Under 7, and Haibane Renmei, did come out of the wilderness after 15 years this very season for a show called Reride. I am not going to try to copy the actual capitalization of Reride because that's nuts. Um, uh, but sadly, it's a train wreck on nearly every level of production, and judging from interviews, barely used any of his assets. Apparently, he's still trying to team up with Konaka to get Desperia, a passion project that has infamously been in development hell for over a decade, off the ground again. So we may get some news in 2019. Uh, so yeah, like I definitely, I definitely agree with a lot of that. Um, though I would sort of add a sub. I would add on to um, the idea that. Uh, the internet has allowed us to sort of um, realize our uh, sort of embrace our worst impulses and attitudes. I would add on to it that the internet, the internet has also allowed us to embrace the side of ourselves that we, that I know at least a lot of people um, cannot, uh, cannot express in the real world due to various um oppressions and persecutions like uh a lot of a lot of trans people first began exploring their identity on the internet because it is a safe place to do that um so i i while i agree with the larger point i do think there's a caveat there that it's not always a bad thing that we're able to uh, sort of embrace our truer inner selves well, on the internet. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, the uh, Fathom of Blue Day did say for better and for worse. So there is definitely, uh, you know, both positives and negatives to, uh, you know, to the way, you know, the way the internet works. So, uh, yeah, internet. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, for the rest of the post, uh, the rest of the post, uh, yeah, he, uh, uh, he goes into a bunch of recommendations. Uh, let's see, so one of which is, uh, In This Corner of the World, which is a World War II period piece, uh, directed by Sunao Katabuchi. Uh, who, uh, back in the day, directed, uh, Black Lagoon. 
So that's uh, something to look forward to. Let's see. Don't make me feel too old here, okay? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, he also recommends, let's see, Night is Short Walk-On Girl uh, by Misaki Yuasa. Um, uh, let's see. And uh, A Silent Voice from KyoAni. Good yeah. Movie. Yeah. Actually, I'm, I'm actually interested in seeing that because I read the manga for A Silent Voice and thought it was great. And so I'm uh, actually really interested to see what the movie, you know, how the movie does it. Heard good things about it. I I enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, and his or and his for his TV shows, uh, he recommends Planet With, and I will second that recommendation because I saw it over the summer and I really liked it. Yeah, that is definitely one that uh, we should definitely get to. Uh, that I keep hearing good things about, and sounds like it's right up my alley. Um, I assume you covered Silent Voice already? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that is definitely one I think would be good to cover. Um, because, you know, we've got got sort of a history with KyoAni, so it'd be oh, kind of really? cool to see a movie made by them. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, there, was, uh, there was an article up on ANM where somebody used, uh, well, I'll, I'll link it to you, but uh, yeah, it's an interesting read. And it does. It, it goes with with my one of my favorite animes, uh, Haruhi. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The website. Yeah, that place. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, definitely. Thank you very much, Fabulous Blue, for um, all the thoughts on Lane as well as the um, movie recommendations. Uh, those will definitely be useful. Um, certainly, t- take a look at at least a few of them. Um, oh yeah. And, and yeah, if. And if I have anything to say about it, Planet With will be in the queue for our <laughs> reviewing pleasure. You. I'm with you, so. Yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, we won't get to um, some new shows just yet. Uh, for our next recording, uh, we're going to be uh, talking about the Cowboy Bebop movie, um, as well as sort of uh, doing some cleanup on um, Garo Vanishing Line, because we never did sort of talk about the end of that series, uh, as well as the um, end of Lupin, the third part five. So it's going to be a fairly light episode next time, just because we want to, you know, get a little of that finished up. Uh, And then after that, we'll be tackling some newer stuff. It's a fair number of episodes that we're going to be covering, but... uh... True. Um... Well, I don't, I, I don't know. Is there that much? Was there that much left of Vanishing Line? Uh, there were seven episodes that we hadn't covered. Okay. And there's eleven episodes of of Lupin that we hadn't covered. Oh, really? That many? Yes, because Lupin went for Lupin went for a whole nother core after we stopped covering after we stopped covering it. Oh, dang! That's more than I thought it would be. Um. <laughs> I don't know. We just finished doing uh, 13. Yeah. Well, I guess, like, effectively... We actually did what? We actually did the equivalent of 17 episodes today. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, it's not that much different. Nope. <laughs> All right, yeah, so that's that's doable. Um, yep. Yeah, so we'll do that next time. Uh, 
and then we'll start on other stuff after that. Uh, if uh, you have, if uh, all y'all out there have um, any um, recommendations or uh, comments or questions about stuff we've already done, uh, feel free to leave them either on our blog at projectharhi.net uh, or on audioentropy.com. I'm leaving comments open there as well. Um, you can uh, follow. You can also follow me and tweet at me on Twitter at SiltsTheGM. And you can tweet me at DeathSlinky, although I haven't been doing a lot of Twitter lately. <laughs> that's that's fair. Probably for the best. Me, you can chirp at me and care of the website because it's it is what it is. And uh, yeah, that'll do it for this episode of BakaCast. Uh, ben, Dustin, three, two, one. Kidabosh. Let's see. By the time this gets out, um, hopefully you've voted. If not, if it gets out before it's voting time, please go out and vote. Have a nice day. Oh yeah, please, everyone vote. Yep, vote, vote, vote. See me later. Just bye, do bye, it. bye. Just vote. Dang it. 